Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Creation Innovation. I'm really, I know I say this often, but I actually am really excited today to talk to Isabel Maria Gonzalez. Welcome, Isabel. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here with you today. Thank you so much. She is an embryologist. So for those of you who are not familiar what that even means, good for you because you're not in that world. And if you may be going down that road, this is a very important role and job within the fertility clinics where they oversee the the labs and the embryos and sperm and eggs and all the things. They kind of joke sometimes that the embryologists are the first babysitters of your children that are yet to come. Well, it's far more in detailed than that, but essentially, yes, they are watching over that. So I'm going to just start, Isabel, if, you, if you're okay with this, with giving your bio um, so people can get a little bit of understanding about your history and what that looks like. She is the IVF Regional West Coast Lab Director for RMA, the Reproductive Medical Associates, which for those of you who may not know also, they have a lot of clinics on the East Coast, but also some on the West Coast. So if you're out there looking for a fertility clinic, you can look for Reproductive Medicine Associates or RMA. She oversees the Southern and Northern California lab operations, including Los Angeles, San Francisco, and San Diego. She has a bachelor's degree in biology from Boston College. She furthered her studies with a PhD in molecular cell and developmental biology from the University of Virginia. Her groundbreaking dissertation focused on regulating trophoblast motility and pre-implantation mouse embryos, which sounds super fascinating to me. I would love to know more about that. Um, her postdoctorate research at Ohio State delved into the exocyst ex complex roles in human placental development and disease. Her breadth of clinical experience includes positions as a senior embryo embryologist, IVF lab supervisor, IVF lab director before her current leadership role. So there, this goes on and on. So I wanted to start with that to give people an idea of what this even means and what kind of your history looks like to bring you to where you're at today. For, for anybody who is not aware of what this whole world of fertility clinics and embryologists even look like and mean, because I know for myself, having gone through it years ago, you don't really hear much about the embryologist until maybe there's a complication or, um, you know, it really doesn't come up in conversation, but, you know, they're the, the front lines, essentially. As soon as you have that egg retrieval, guess who it goes to? It goes to those people in the back that are taking a look at what's happening and whatnot. So again, thank you for being here, Isabel. How did you get into this specifically? First of all, thank you so much for having me and thank you for those those kind words. Basically what that all boils down to is 
I've been in school a really long time, and I went to school for a really long time because I absolutely love this this field, this topic. Um, this is embryology has been what I wanted to do since I was 15 years old. Um, How did you know what it was? I, yeah, so it's actually kind of a rare thing to say, right? Um, as it, it twists of life, how it goes. Um, my, um, I was 15 years old and I was babysitting because that's what you can do when you're 15, right? Right. Uh, for a neighbor, and um, she was a reproductive endocrinologist, okay. and um, I just remember listening to her and what she did, and I was fascinated. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what a PhD was, right? The only thing right. that I knew about was kind of an obvious choice was to go to medical school. And I was just really excited by the right. field. And believe it or not, um, there was career week in high school and it really actually does change lives because I remember I went with her to shadow her and that's where mm -hmm. everything changed for me. Um, I, I got to see the, the clinical side of things and it's the first time I actually ever stepped foot in, in an IVF lab and that was it for me. Um, I just knew. Um, That's there's awesome. certain things that you just you're you're you know that you're put here to do and this is it right so that's so um, cool that's that's it that's why that's why we that's great. we work we work really hard to to keep going and learning as much as possible um there's lots of ways to get into embryology right so you can do on the job training just a bachelor's degree and train up and learn um but i really i wanted to to answer I wanted to answer science questions because the more that I learned, the more that I realized that there was basic questions that nobody could give me the answer to. And that really frustrated me, right? So I, I wanted to know the signaling pathways. I wanted to know what was causing things. Um, and I was asking these questions and no one could tell me. And so I decided I was going to go figure, figure it out by myself. Um, and that's, that's where, where it all led to uh, going to grad school and uh, a long time ago. And here we are now. So. That's, a, that's an awesome story because I think so many people that are in this field now come to it based on something that happens later in life around their fertility journey, right? And, and for you to have that curiosity at such such a young age based on the influence of this woman, that's yeah. pretty special. She's um, she's still uh, someone I look up to tremendously and a mentor and, um, you know, alongside with Thanking my my parents and my family and my thesis, she was definitely somebody who who changed my world, um, and I, I appreciate that opportunity. So, and she must have been one of kind of the the you know, I say the forefathers, but she's a woman. So like some of those original OGs that were kind of at the forefront of this. I know my doctor was one of those first guys at the NIH a long time ago, and I was just at a gastro appointment this last week yeah. and the nurse was asking me what I do and I was telling her and she's like, oh, my husband is a product from really this doctor oh, well, and, um, you know, she's older, has her own children and everything. And I was like, it's such a small world and right. it's so interesting how now we are finally at that point where the children of those first original IVF babies are now having their own babies, and it's pretty miraculous to know that this whole generation would not exist without, you know, again, 40 years ago, it was just all brand new stuff. It was. You know, the first IVF baby is as old as, as I am, right? So it's it's um, it's a pretty young science, right? We still have yes. much more to explore and to learn. 
Um, yes. That is a tremendous part of uh, what we need to commit ourselves to as embryologists, right? To keep pushing that field and that science. Um, so all of those little crumbs of knowledge put together, that's what comes together and that's what helps a patient, right? Is collectively right. as a community to, to make that happen. Because um, this didn't just invent itself overnight, right? It was a really long right. process. And what we've done in the last, you know, 40, 30, 20, even five years has been remarkable. So I can't. Absolutely. I'm excited. It continues to change, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I always say it. it's really amazing is not even the word, but the fact that we live in a world that this is possible. I know. That it like blows my mind every day still. I know. I, even after and I, I, this is most sincerely what I'm going to tell you, even after all of this time, every time I look into a dish, every time I look at an embryo, I go, my God, it works. This is amazing, right? And I know that's a silly thing. Right? I just got goosebumps. I should walk in every day, and I have goosebumps too because I really mean it so yes. much. You, I should, at this point, you should walk in and be like, yes, of course it's gonna work, but it's just like the miracle of, of, that it's working in front of you. And let's be honest, we all wait for the pregnancy test, right? Everybody's, yeah. you know, you're refreshing your EMR and, and trying to see and make sure and, and tracking patients. Um, so yeah. know that during your journey, you're putting a huge amount of trust in sort of these like faceless people, right? You meet us on the day of your egg retrieval. You meet us at your, your transfer. Um, so hopefully at the end of this conversation, I can kind of demystify what goes on in the lab but know that we're people that are incredibly dedicated to what we do and we believe in it so very much. And it's a special yes. breed of person that goes into this because it's all about details. It's all about extreme focus. And, um, you know, you, you got to get it right every single time. Um, right. And, and you res we respect the process tremendously. Um, you should come visit the lab. It's a, it's the cool, it's the coolest part of any clinic. I'm not going to, I will be there. You just tell me the date and I will Absolutely. be there. So how, for anybody again, listening, how do you explain what an embryologist is? What, what is, what is that? Yeah. So really at its most kind of simplified, um, level, um, during the process of in vitro fertilization, you're going to be harvesting gametes, right? And so that's just a fancy big word way of saying we're going to put your eggs and your sperm together for you, right? So this is the process by which we kind of circumvent the natural process of fertilization within the body. Um, we're giving you a boost. We're giving you a helping hand. And who doesn't need one of those sometimes, right? So right. we um, we are the, the, the people who at the egg retrieval, um, they, the clinician hands us the follicular fluid and it starts there, right? So we're searching for the eggs and we're finding them, um, keeping them safe and sound. Um, likewise, it's uh, the andrology portion of it also plays a role too, right? So that's the, the sperm samples, making sure that we, we clean them up, we make the sperm all nice and happy and activated and ready to do um, its fertilization potential and part of, of things as well. Um, so basically at the most just kind of uh, fundamental level, um, we are the tools, the conduit by which we are mimicking fertilization for you and helping, giving a helping hand. Um, it, it really is a lot like a babysitter, right? So we're, we're putting these, these gametes, this egg and these sperm in close proximity with each other. Um, 
And you know, you do your best, and then you also have to let nature also do its own thing too. Right. right. So you can have a world class lab, um, which is what we have and what we strive for and what we what we do. Um, but part of this is also there are developmental components and natural um, limits to what 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 you can force. Um, but right. we are the ones who put the sperm, the eggs together, and we are watching the embryo develop. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to see, okay, which one's fertilized. And what that basically means is which um, eggs and embryos um, joined together to make the beginning of, in, a, in essence, a baby, right? So it starts right. going from one cell um, where the, the male and the female gametes join together to in this amazing process where you're mixing all this genetic material to make a whole new person. Right, um, and then from there, there are rounds of, of cleavage, which means that the cells are are dividing, um, and we're taking care of them along the way, making sure that they have um, the most wonderful um, ambiance. Right, so we're making sure that okay, we can't be inside of of, of mom, um, but we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you're as comfortable as possible in your incubator and you're kind of you're in your condo until you go back. Home, right, right, right. So again, I'm kind of speaking over certain areas for people who may not be familiar. Once those, once they are fertilized and become an embryo, there's a, a term called blastocyst, where they are these embryos are then watched for certain days to see if they progress the way that they should progress in order to then become the healthy embryo. What is the process for that for an embryologist? embryology team that's back there watching do the is it every 24 hours they look to see okay is it divided to x amount of cells compared to the next day is it visually looking different than it had previously what is that like literally what is the process for you guys when you're watching this from day one fertilization to day five or day six yeah so the um the this is one of my favorite topics. So if I get too wordy, let me know. Um, <laughs> okay. So in this amazing program that the embryo just knows how to follow, um, the, the embryo starts to undergo a series of cell divisions, right? So you can kind of think of it as almost like um, a bunch of um, marshmallows, if you will, kind of stuck together, right? Um, and at a certain point in development, all of those cells are completely, completely identical to one another. Um, now the embryo will undergo this process where it actually will compact on itself. And this compaction actually will signal to the embryo where it, it, um, it, it gives directionality to the embryo. So they're okay. in and an out. And as part of that, of that process, you actually start to get development of two different types of cell populations. All right. And so that's when we come to the blastocyst, um, the blastocyst stage. Um, the blastocyst is going to be comprised of two different cell populations. The one that is the ICM, the inner cell mass, which will give rise to the embryo proper. And then the surrounding cells, which is, are the, the trophectoderm cells. And those are the ones that are actually going to be driving implantation. Um, so at that point, those are the, that's the, the first type of, of differentiated cell. So um, that usually happens around day five. We, we know that. Um, there's some give or take of how quickly different embryos develop. Um, you know, there's different, di all labs do similar things, but there's some nuances. 
right? Right. For sure. The big hallmarks that you're looking for are uh, fertilization checks, right? Because you need to see who has fertilized and who are potential to go forward. Um, And you usually will refresh the the culture media, kind of like that's the food that they that they live in um, mm. along along the way, all full of nice amino acids and. Uh, so you change that yeah, throughout the. You do. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know sure. that. Yeah, so there's um, there's different types of media and um, different types of, of, of approaches, but you um, you just want to make sure, just just like a baby, really, you're tending to to this embryo in some fashion or another every single day. And some of the details differ from lab to lab. Some labs have time lapses where you can actually watch it with, uh, right. you know, throughout the process. And there's also right. labs where you can do it the old-fashioned way, where you're checking it um, at certain points in development, usually at day three, and at day five when you know it's going to be a blastocyst and competent to um, to get be ready to implant or undergo the process of biopsy if that patient chooses to do that. Right. And so I was just writing down, as you were talking before, I forget about this grading process because people, you know, really hang on to what the grade are, the grade is of their embryos. And unfortunately, there's no standard grading per clinic, right? So what one person could say is a ABB, the next clinic down the road might say it's something else and et cetera. What, how, how do you determine that? Yeah. You know? So, um, there are, there are standards in their scientific papers that saying, you know, describing what the different grades should be. Um, they're different, um, levels of grading. Uh, oftentimes you'll hear A, B, and C. A being the best, uh, C being, uh, not as good. Um, mm-hmm. and you actually will give, a, a grade to both the ICM, remember that that's the part that actually will make the baby, and also the trifectoderm, those surrounding support cells that will be um, important in the process of implantation. Um, so it's difficult. So embryo grading is um, it's it's very subjective, um, mm-hmm. and it's something that you actually have to be really on top of within your clinic, and also right. part of a of a bigger network, right? Because we want to make sure that we're all using the same yardstick. Right. Right. Um, so that's part of when we're going to talk about the different checks that we do. Not only do we check equipment, but we also check to make sure that we're all on the same page. And um, you do that through a variety of different ways. We um, have proficiency testing that we complete um, with organizations that actually accredit us to make sure that mm-hmm. we are then comparing us to other embryology labs. So that mm-hmm. our, what we grade is also kind of in line and in consensus with other labs that perhaps we're not uh, right. in constant communication with. And also within the lab, we're, we're always discussing. Um, and we also have a kind of testing that we do within uh, and amongst ourselves to make sure that we all know that A means this, B means this, and C means this. And what's the, from an A to a C, what's the viability i guess of... that's, that's a that's a hard question right to answer right because everybody wants to know uh you know, what are what my are chances my if i implant an a versus right. a c yeah so um that is it's a it's it's more than just looking at, at the letters you also have to look at um the day that on which it was um either biopsied and frozen or frozen 
or about okay. to be transferred, right? So that's an important component of it. And that's a metric that's actually always moving and changing. Um, okay. And one of the most amazing things that we have at our disposal is computers are smarter than us in a lot of ways, right? And we have a huge amount of data at our fingertips. Um, so we choose embryos based on morphology. So morphology is A, B, and C in that combination. But also we, we have a handy handy kind of pocket calculator that we can plug in different embryo parameters and actually get percentages based on your age, based on the day of the embryo. Um, so you can really, you have something, you have data, you have science behind why I'm picking something. Uh, so cool that yeah. this all exists now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I know that I keep saying that word, but it really is like blows my mind. So with in, and then we, um, I hear not so often anymore, but you still do hear of a mosaic. Is that pretty obvious? Like from me, like a seed to a mosaic, like there's no question that that would be a mosaic. That is a different panelist that you will have to, to bring in. But I will tell you that, um, we, we know that, um, mosaic embryos can implant and then we know that they can can make babies um that is a very that's a that's a, that's that one's a pretty loaded question but we know that we have tools by way of genetics to increase your chances of achieving a pregnancy as quickly as possible right because that's what we're after we want right. to achieve a healthy pregnancy in the shortest amount of time healthy for mom and healthy for baby um, and we know that genetic testing, and if you have a euploid or, or, or suitable for transfer embryo, that is, um, that's going to be your best bet to kind of skip some of, some of, some of the, uh, the events that might happen if it's not a normal embryo. Yeah. I have a client who her, she herself was a mosaic yeah. embryo. Does she know that she was? That's right. Cause that's also true. We might've, yeah. I might've been one. You might've, we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Like they might and know. she just had her own baby via IVF probably a year and a half ago. Yeah. So it is possible. <laughs> we, we know that, uh, in short, lots of, of different quality of embryos, um, and a variety of, of, uh, conditions make beautiful babies. We've got Tons of pictures of them in our lives yes. and on our walls. So right. So let's chat about real quick um, fresh, fresh embryo transfer versus frozen embryo transfer. And for people who've been around a while, know that it used to be fresh was kind of the only way to go and the the most um, encouraged way, really. Well, and it was your only way at one point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it became encouraged. Yeah. When it wasn't the only way. And now it's kind of, I don't want to say that it's completely flipped, but in a lot of clinics, it has, where they say frozen is better. And, you know, we prefer to do, you know, we are more successful at that. So having been in this world for a little while, Isabel, what do you see in that? And what are the differences as far as the benefits and kind of the pros and cons, so to speak. And I know it's different for everybody going through it because there's a lot of different factors, but kind of at a high level sure. of doing a frozen versus a fresh 
embryo transfer? Yeah, so uh, like we touched upon, there was a point in time when that was your only option, right? The technology quite literally did not afford us the opportunity to bank embryos. We couldn't, we couldn't freeze them. They didn't do very well waking up. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the ability to biopsy embryos like we do now. I mean, there was a version of that, um, mm -hmm. but uh, you, you had to kind of hedge your bets and, and hope, hope for the best. The technology just didn't support it. Right. Now what has been amazing is not only do we have these genetic platforms that are very, very honed in and it's amazing what they can, what they can glean. Right. So not only can you, are you, can you tell it's a, a good embryo to transfer, but also if there's like single gene disorders, you can even right. go to, to that level. Um, so that only, only works be, now because we also know um, that's tried and true. And we know we have the technology to, it's not freezing, it's vitrifying embryos, mm -hmm. like warming these embryos. And that is a technology that is hugely powerful and changed the, the face of how IVF is practiced. And that's only been not that long, really. In fact, when I did it myself, initially when I wanted to do it, my doctor was like, no, come back, come back later yeah. because it didn't exist. Yeah. And then when I went back at 36, he's like, okay, now this this exists. We can do it because your chances will be greater at, Absolutely. at yeah. falling of the, the, yeah. the eggs. So what, what's, what's wonderful about this is that we have all these components kind of aligning to um, basically buy time for the body to come back down to steady state, for lack of a better word, right? So for patients who are undergoing... Um, an egg retrieval. There is we we. This is a very artificial system where we're we're trying to maximize and balance um, getting as many good quality eggs as possible from you, and um, that comes at a price, right? We're we're kind of hopping up your system in in a way that um, isn't necessarily normal, and we know right. um, this is such a delicate process that um, it's not the most ideal state to put an embryo back into. So what's wonderful about now being able to do frozen, frozen embryo cycles is one, you have time. You have time I just want to stop you real quick, yeah. Isabel, because I have never once heard that as part of the reason. Oh, for sure. This is, I mean, and that makes perfect sense, but it's also really bizarre that nobody's ever said that before. Everyone has always said, I think what you're going to say next, well, which, which, go ahead. which is the power of genetics, right? So you have the time right. so that you are genetic report can come back and you can say, okay, this is, these are the best quality ones and this is my best chance and these are the embryos. Um, but all that plays together, right? So it's also genetics, steady state, and we're making sure that we're then able to prime the body to be able to, to receive. So the process of implantation, it's not just the embryo doing the work, right? So a lot of people think that, um, but there's also this huge interplay between what's going on in the female and and these the they're signaling back and forth to each other, right? This is amazing mm -hmm. crosstalk between the uterus and the embryo, and it has to go yeah. right. So whatever you can do to make that as normal as possible, right, right? and not as um, as again, this is a very art beautiful but artificial process. So yes. as much as you can come back to um, normal steady state, that helps. Absolutely. So when you just said that, 
the talking back and forth between the body and the embryo that's coming back in or that's coming in, I should say, reminded me of a book that I talk about all the time called The Biology of Belief. Have you read that book by Bruce Lipton? I have not, but I will. Ooh, you would like it, I oh, think. Okay. Um, but essentially, he, he is an MD that starts out as a researcher who's studying cells and their reaction to nature versus nurture and how, like you said, we we essentially make their space comfortable and nice for them while they're here. And he saw how that changed as their environment changed, right? And it is, this kind of leads into what I do on a daily basis with my patients and clients is that getting that they're regulating their nervous system, right? So that everything kind of falls in line so that they are able to take that transfer and feel good about it and not be in this heightened state of whatever it may be and how all of our cells kind of come together and like hugely connected play this role. Absolutely. Right. All, all of it is, it's not just a singularity in, in space and time. Everything is working together to right. make, to make this, this beautiful thing happen. The more that we can understand about how that works together and the more that we can help, again, uh, curtail all of those signaling pathways that might be amped up and not doing you any favors, um, it's it's a multivariable problem. So, For sure. Yeah. Another thing that we talk about often is it's really the lab when you're ch- picking a clinic. The lab is so, so important. And not to override the doctors by any means, but the lab is really where you want to check what their statistics are, how things go, what their process is, in order to see, like, am I signing up with a place that's reputable and has a good track record, so to speak? So from your perspective, doing what you do in and out, and obviously not being too biased to RMA, how how would you say that to somebody off the street that was like, what does that even mean? Why, why would a lab matter so much when I'm going into a process of IVF or even just, um, you know, it's, it's such a big investment, right? People think if I'm going to a fertility doctor, initially they think I am automatically going to have to do IVF. And I say all the time, that does not mean you're going to have to do IVF. It just means you're seeing a doctor who specializes in fertility. You would not go to a neurologist to have them look at your wrist. Like we want to make sure the right doctor is looking at the lay of the land to see what's happening. Second to that, if you do happen to go down the road where you need any assisted reproductive technology with that particular doctor and their clinic, why is a lab so important? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I'm going to be biased, right? So I do think that the lab is the crux of a clinic, but that's not to undermine all the other parts of a clinic, right? Because from the first, from the get-go, you've got to connect with your provider, right? Because For sure. those are the people that are going to be really patient-facing, um, and that's your provider, your physician, your nursing team, because they're they're going to be holding the patient's hand in this prop in this right. process. Quite literally. Quite literally. You're seeing them every, every day. day, every other day. Yeah. You're talking to yeah. them. You're getting your reports yeah. every, every, like all the time. Exactly. So it is really, really critical that you feel in alignment with whoever you decide to you go do. with. So you need this combination of people that you under, that you trust as far as from the clinical side. Um, but the lab, you know, you go home after your egg retrieval and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Actually, it's some of the most delicate 
work that needs to be done. And it's the one that needs um, really the most care and attention. Um, you're, you're making, uh, you're growing an embryo, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so you got to, you have to make sure that it's done appropriately. And um, it's going to be the basis, whether or not uh, you can achieve a pregnancy. Um, you need the highest quality everything because you want to stack everything in your corner to make sure that you are, are able to have the most successful outcome. Um, there's lots of different types of, of equipment and there's lots of different types of um, culture media for embryos. At the end of the day, what you need are people who really know what they're doing, right? So that's- And how do you tell that though from- You're, you're gonna call and you're gonna, you're gonna ask them about statistics and you're gonna be that patient that asks, hey, I wanna right. know in the last six months, give me some of your, give me the data to look at, right? So I'm right. a scientist, I wanna know numbers. I wanna see what have, what, are, what have you been, uh, what, what are your trends? What do you do? Ask about fertilization rate. That's going to show you how good people are basically putting sperm and eggs together. Ask about last conversion rate. That's going to show, tell you how good is that lab at growing embryos up to the blastocyst phase. Ask them about their pregnancy rates in your age group. These are all things that as a patient, you have a right to, to ask and learn and your, your, your doctor can help guide you to that information. You can also uh, do some internet snooping. SART is a great place to, to go to look at data. Um, so ask ask the questions and right. um, you know ask, ask them. You know what is your what does that embryology team look like back there? Um, it's you're just as as no. It's just as important part of your care to know about what's going on behind those those locked doors. Um, read inform yourself about there's lots of information out there and ask the questions i agree and not only is it a huge financial investment but emotional investment as well so before you take that step if you get that vibe from any sort of clinic or doctor i always say move on you know find somebody that you feel good about there's so many amazing doctors now that are out there that are as as great as the older ones were, this a whole new generation that are very open and very um, on a different emotional level with the patients that they weren't before. And that's different. And, and different people are going to connect with different types of, of providers, right? But yeah. a good lab is a good lab. And what you want is you want that to be data driven. And you want you want to just ask the questions and inform yourself. Um, you know, you it's it doesn't I understand how much people have to trust us and it's this huge moment think about it you're in an egg retrieval and you say okay well we'll call you in five six or seven days and let you know how things went do you know how much trust that takes you that is an amazing amount of of emotional um it's a big emotional ask for okay yeah so make sure that you connect with the clinician and make sure that that you are getting the, the answers that make you feel good about that lab that you're going to be putting all that trust into. Ask about rates. Ask about how they do chain of custody. Ask about how they make sure that- What did you say? Chain of custody? Chain of custody. That is one of the- What is that? Chain of custody. 
There are things in this life that are not an option and broken chain of custody is, is one of them. That basically means that if I'm getting this sperm sample from this person, I'm tracking it at every single step of the way. I'm witnessing that this sperm came from this person and this egg came from this dish. This is basically how we can keep you safe and keep your gametes safe. And that's a big one of the biggest things that people go home and go, oh my gosh, I hope they're doing everything right. Right. You know, you're like, oh, you read all these stories. I'm like, ah. Oh. And so you think, and imagine spiraling at home and, and, and kind of making yourself crazy on, on Google looking and yes. ask about it ahead of time. How do you guys ID things? Do you have uh, everything double ID'd? Um, do you use any sort of uh, witnessing software to help aid? Um, and those are things that are going to make you more informed and feel better about the choices that you're making. Yeah, for sure. I know I got a bill from my clinic years later of like, you owe us money on embryos. I'm like, I don't have any embryos. <laughs> I was like, that's not a good like, well, situation, that, right? That's not a good look. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that that's great. I didn't know that that was even something, again, that you could ask. So thank you for informing that for us to know that that is yet something else. Because it is, you do wonder that. Sure. You do, and you do hear the stories of, I thought I implanted a female embryo and I was told that it was a boy. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those sort of situations happen less and less because there are so many safeties in place. Sure. Um, and thank goodness for that. But at the same time, I think, as you pointed out, it's really for your peace of mind to know what is the Isn't process. Isn't it going to feel better to know? I mean, I, I want to know a process. And once I understand it, then I'm like, okay, I can put trust in that. So yeah. another thing to, to feel that you are, are knowledgeable and have kind of um, a know-how about. Right. How often or what is the how, – how involved is the doctor in the actual dish itself? Like – do they just get the reports from you guys and then call us and say, yada, yada, yada? Um, kind of. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. I mean, again, yeah. the doctors are amazing. We love them right. and adore them. We couldn't do this without them, but I'm just. They're doing a lot of upfront up work with the patient, but um, the doctor isn't in the lab day to day, right? So it's the embryologist. It's us here in the back tending to all the, and tending 24 hours, seven days right. a week. Always. There's like no. That was going to be my next right? statement. So this is quite literally, they're a baby right from that, right from the get go, because they need something all the time. And when they need something, you come running, right? So for example, what, when you say they need something, what would you see that they need that you have to, somebody I has to do something? I need to change out their culture media, media on um, X day. And that's not, an, that's not optional, right? Everything is timed. I know right. that when I get this egg, Two hours later, I'm going to have to do this next procedure. And then following that, at this time, this is when I need to do the injections. So everything is time to, to um, have an optimal outcome. So it's not, an, mm -hmm. it's not an option to be like, well, I'll get to it when I can. That's right. isn't, <laughs> This is not an improv show, right? This is an active right. lab. you got to do it and do it right every single time without, uh, without changing anything. Um, and you gotta get, and you gotta get it right. And their needs are very specific. Um, that right. means that everything is constantly also being monitored on alarm systems. Um, mm -hmm. my phone is always 
on my person, right? Because we have everything wired up to give um, constant data readouts. And yes, I will, I'm not gonna lie, I look at it all the time to make sure that everything is is okay. Um, yes. But that's that's what you do when you're an embryologist, right? You're, mm. You double check, you triple check, so and then cool. when no one's looking, you check one more time to make sure. Right. And that's that's part of keeping um, keeping things optimal and safe. And how is it that how is it for you? Because the doctor has a relationship with us, right? Like they have. We're. I'm actually in the midst of writing my book around my first miscarriage, and my husband was helping through the, how the the partners yeah. deal with that portion of it. And the, I remember thinking exactly those words that the doctor said to us. I'm sorry, guys, like, because we've had this long relationship with him and, you know, he knew what that meant for us. How is it for you guys in the back that don't get that personal relationship with whoever these little ones belong to? Does it feel, do you feel kind of disconnected from the bigger picture or do you feel like, oh, Elizabeth and Dave King are out there and I've seen them and I know them and I'm, and I'm like cheering for their we are. little guy. We're cheering. I mean, I know you are, but uh, yeah. is it, does it feel different because you don't have that day-to-day interaction or is it like better because you don't get as emotionally involved with the people? Gosh, um, it's a hard one. We are very emotionally vested. Um, and it might that answer might actually depend from embryologist to embryologist to be very honest True. with you right um so to be fair i think that I'm, i can only speak for from for myself um yes. that that chart isn't just a isn't just a medical chart you're very yeah. alive to to us and to and to me um and we're we 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 get to know you because we're talking we're constantly talking with the nurses, the doctor, who's coming up, what's going on in this case. So maybe we don't mm-hmm. talk to you every single day, but we're talking about you in your case and making sure, right. okay, when is this procedure going to happen? All right, have they been seen before? So we're following you. And just because we don't talk every single day, at least for me, it doesn't mean that I'm any less connected. Um, probably connected in a different way. But right. almost this most intimate way, right? Because of course, we, yeah. You know, we're we're doing kind of the the behind the scenes work for sure. Um, and being an embryologist, you don't get, you know, frequently people don't write you like the letter that they do to the doctor, right? Like thank you yes. so much, and, um, and that's fine, right? That and where you you're okay with that because you know that they. The doctor and the patient have that 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 connection, um, but it's no less special when you hear somebody in the lobby who's brought in their kiddo. We all pile out. We all want to yeah. see, right? And then we're all elbowing each other at the computer to see, like, yeah. who did the biopsy? Who did the transfer? <laughs> you know? Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I at any of the clinics that I ever went to, the embryologists were never like I never spoke to them I never saw them it was never you were not allowed to contact them and I think because the impression that I got was because people can get a little bit overly excitable I guess I don't know what the right word to use is but you know wanting to know the daily update of what it's looking like and how it's going and all of these things but I think that 
as part of that intro, right, you meet with the financial person, you meet with the doctor, the nurses, your team. In my opinion, I think that the embryologist or the embryology team should be part of that intro because it is so important to say these are the ones that are going to be doing the, the work back behind there. And again, that's just my uh, me on my soapbox. But um, I, I guess because I am so appreciative and I understand what goes into it and the you saying that it's 24-7, it really genuinely is. I remember when I did my egg retrieval, it was Thanksgiving and they're like, you know, it doesn't stop just because it's Thanksgiving day. Like we got to keep going, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I felt, I remember feeling so guilty. But don't, of like, but don't right? We, you know? we all sign up knowing that that's part of it, right? And yeah, yeah sure. You work Christmas day, you work Thanksgiving, you, you work, but that's, um, you know, and I remember working, um, you know, lots of Mother's Day, I thought to myself, well, you know, okay, maybe I'm not with my family, but we're helping other, other people become mothers. And that's, that's right. not a bad way to spend the day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it is yeah. what I, I mean, the, the joy that you get from the gratification that you get from your job must be amazing. I mean, every job has its own own nuances. I get that. But at the end of the day, for you to go home and to say, oh, my God, I saw a baby being made today and or one got transferred back in today. Like there I know the smiles that I get. It like hurts my face. I can't even imagine what it's like for you guys on a daily basis. So exciting. It's, it's amazing. And it really doesn't it doesn't lose its luster because it's the special moment each time for that patient and we really connect with that yes it's definitely um you know it's a high stress job long hours early hours it's a lot so you you do this because you love it and because mm -hmm. you're really really connected to the process and to the patients right i say all the time for us it's life-changing for you guys it's just another day in the office but i think what i can tell from you is you get that it is life-changing yeah, for, for sure. us it's, on the other you know, side. Maybe, yes, it's, it's something that you've uh, explained a number of times or uh, a question that you've heard before, but you have to take pause because it's somebody's first time. It's somebody's most special, most vulnerable moment, and you have to do it justice by by empathizing in that moment and, and, mm -hmm. um, and taking time to explain things and to make it as smooth of a process. And that means right. any interaction that you have with patient and also doing a really good job in the lab. So that's your job, right? That's, right. that's right. a big one. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you see all the time too, but people that have done six, seven rounds with no success, or maybe they get one embryo, but then that embryo doesn't take. And it's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's, real and that is a, not an easy path to to live on every day and i you know my prayers for those people that they get to their miracle baby in whatever way that that ends up looking like and maybe that's you know even that conversation is a whole nother thing right of, of kind of saying i'm gonna stop trying this on my own and maybe i go to a donor conception or whatever else but sure. um Thank you so much for being here and having this conversation and having the passion behind what you do. You can really see that it really truly does matter to you and that matters to all of us. And I will start by saying also that when I did the tour of the RMA Los Angeles, 
well, there's two in LA now, right? I think. Um, coming soon, a satellite office, but right now. Okay. I just wanted to be clear on that. So when I did go to RMA Los Angeles, Dr. Lande gave me the tour and she could not really, she honestly couldn't stop singing Isabel's praises and the lab. And, you know, that is why we are having this podcast today because the doctor spoke so highly of the team that was behind there doing the work. And I just, again, want to say thank you for everything that you do and thank you for being here and know that you are appreciated so much in the work that you're doing. Thank you very, very much for um, inviting me. This has been really lovely to to talk and kind of, um, I I hope it's been helpful and just even a little bit to somebody that will be be wonderful. Um, And I think more of this is important so that you can understand what happens in an IVF lab from a, For sure. from a patient perspective. And I have to say that it's not just me working here. I have a tremendous team and they are spectacular. They are some of the most amazing embryologists that I've ever seen. So while Dr. Lane was very complimentary of me, I do not do it by myself. So um, thank yeah. you for today and I um, hope to, to talk again soon. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.